0: All right, welcome once again to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Assel, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler, but he's under the weather. We won't make you talk too much today. So um, we're back from uh, Christmas slash New Year's break. Welcome you all back. We're especially delighted today, though, because we are welcoming Utah House Majority Leader Representative Jeff Moss to the program. Welcome, Representative Moss.
1: Thank you. Actually, Majority Whip, but uh, yeah, thank you. And oh. uh, it's it's great to be with you both. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm sorry. I I, I knew Majority Whip. I don't know why I said uh, that.
1: That's yeah, all right.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming. And yeah. uh, I wonder, Jeff, you could introduce yourself a little bit for those who who haven't had the good fortune to work with you in the past. Uh, maybe tell us what district you represent and how'd you get started, get your start in the Utah legislature and all that.
1: Yeah, happy to do that. Well. First off, I appreciate it uh, talking to you, Corey. Corey is actually one of my constituents, so I get the opportunity to to spend a lot of time with him. And um, and then obviously Senator Wyler and I, um, since I've been in the session in the legislature, we've worked together and even run legislation together. So um, a big a big fan of of Senator Wyler. Um, yeah, I got involved in politics. I actually got involved in city politics originally. Um, did city council here in Saratoga Springs, and then spent four years on the State Board of Education, uh, and then now I've been six in the in the state legislature. Um, I got kind of involved. I know this sounds kind of funny, but uh, growing up, I was born on July 4th of 1976, and that's the reason <laughs> I named Jefferson. So um, my dad would always tell me, and he was actually in the state house as well um, when I was growing up for four years. So I always had this kind of in my head that one day I may actually go into this. So it was always an option. Um, I, you know, in high school, college, I didn't have a lot of interest. But um, as I got older, started caring more about what was happening in my community. Uh, It just kind of sucked me in. And, uh, you know, it's been something I really enjoy. It's sometimes challenging. And there's a lot of issues we're always facing, um, especially as a very high growth state and a lot of big needs we have. But Um, really just a a great experience. Love being able to to serve my district and the state of Utah.
0: Super cool. And that's a great story. Mm -hmm. So we're excited to have you here because what we'd really love to get is a preview for the upcoming 2023 legislative session. And of course, as majority whip, you'll obviously play a central role, both in developing the agenda and obviously counting the votes, because that'll be your key role, counting votes to make sure the members are supportive. So could you do us a favor and kind of start with an overview of how you see the session unfolding? Kind of like what what are the major issues as you see it?
1: Yeah, well, um, we actually, our, our house uh, caucus actually starts the process of what we're going to be working on um, during the interim. We spend a lot of time. We actually bring all of our chairs together. And um, this is going back, you know, summer, we start doing this. And just getting a sense for what our colleagues really care about, what are the issues that they're hearing? Um, each committee has a number of issues that they're working on, and so we start that process back during the summer. That kind of evolves. We start to hone in on what are some of the targeted things. I even have it here with me today. But and then and then that continues until we actually, um, as a group, get together and we put. I, this is something I can just show you real quick. But we actually. Uh, come up with right before the session we just did it last week but um, come up with a with a real plan for the session and and it really breaks down all of our priorities as a caucus Um, this is something again that all of our our caucus members have been very heavily involved in but I would say there's really three targeted areas that we're going to be focusing on Um, the first is around stewardship some of the issues that we're seeing right now especially in the state of Utah is around water and the Great Salt Lake and what are we doing around that Last year, we put a lot of energy and, and resources into conservation. Uh, there were a number of bills that were put out last year all around, what can we do to try to help not just the Great Salt Lake, but the state of Utah being in the drought that we're in, and how do we mm-hmm. really get out ahead of this? I mean, I shouldn't say we get out ahead of it, trying to deal with what we're dealing with, but doing everything we can to help slow that process and, and eventually be able to get us back to a place where that's not our highest... Concerns. So that'll be a big part of what we do this year is putting a lot of resources and and a number of policies in place to help on the water issue. But lands are a big issue. All the things that we're dealing with the federal government. How do we help in terms of pushing back on some of the things that they're doing? Right. That's going to be part of the discussion. Um, energy is a big issue. Um, again, dealing with the kind of both sides of that coin. On the one hand, we're having issues around ESG and some of the pressures that we're seeing on that side. On the other hand, how do we really develop and innovate all these wonderful resources that we have in the state kind of this all of the above we have all these different opportunities here in Utah around energy policy what can we do to help drive and innovate to actually solve these problems long term so that's kind of the first bucket I would say that we're looking at the next one that I think a lot of people are feeling right now is affordability mm-hmm. and that's on the one hand afford you know housing affordability there's going to be a lot of discussion around, What are we doing around land use and uh, potentially looking at processes around housing and things like that, that people are, I know that there's a number of things in the works there. Taxes is going to be a big one. Um, I know that's going to be an area that we're going to, I know the Senate as well and the governor, we've all been talking about this. This could be a really good year for tax cuts. Uh, The state of Utah has been really, um, I think, pretty conservative as we've been going through these last few years, even when we've had good surpluses. We've, we've always thought that there was a potential that just, you know, we knew there was going to be a cliff at some point, right? This federal money wasn't going to continue. And so we've done a lot to pay down debt, put money aside, max out our rainy day funds. And we think we're in a position now that we could do a really good tax cut this year and still have a really good, um, you know, backstop if anything were to really hit the skids on the economy. And then finally, the investments in transportation education. Those are always big areas that we care a lot about. Um, education we're going to be looking at some significant funding but also looking at more options for choice and other things we can do to help uh, provide more uh, support for teachers support for support for parents and for students so that's kind of level of of, uh, some of the targeted areas that we're going to be looking at this year
0: that's good stuff so we could hone in on a couple of those yeah so uh, the last one you mentioned was about uh, about teachers You know, the governor has asked for $200 million to give every teacher in the state a $6,000 raise. And of course, there's also been some talk about maybe negotiations involving the school choice program. I know, know, you know, you can't necessarily get out ahead of negotiations, but can you give us any insights on how that may play out or how you guys are thinking about it?
1: Yeah, well, the good news is we've been talking since the session that Candace Pruchi and Kirk Colomore, Senator Colomore and Representative Pruchi, they've been engaged with the governor, with the governor's office. Um, last year, you know, the governor even said, I'm interested in choice, but he had some concerns about where we were at with teacher pay. So they've been having these conversations since last session and looking at how can we really get money directly into teachers, really get them, not, not necessarily, I mean, we always do big lifts and in, in putting it you know, directly into the WPU, but this is very targeted to teacher salaries. And so they've been working together on coming up with a solution that could both help you know, really help these teachers, but at the same time, provide that option for parents. So I think we're in a pretty good place. I do feel like we're, we're, we're the the governor's office and and our, our group has been working very closely together on this issue. So I think, I think we'll be able to pull something together this year.
0: That's great. I mean, on both of those issues, getting something done would would be really great. So, so a couple of the more contentious stuff, I wonder if you could uh, enlighten us a little bit. First, We've gone through the process of designing a new flag, and uh, and I know you've had some calls on this. Yeah, how do you think that's going to play out? The or is the legislature? Do you think is going to uh, adopt the new design, or how do you see that happening?
1: You know, it's it's funny, and 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 Todd could speak to this more, but it's funny the things that you don't think are going to be the big hot issues <laughs> um, that just become the big issue, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I you know, I'll just give you my own personal opinion. I originally thought this is dumb and a waste of time. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, why do we care? Um, it's kind of interesting. My daughter plays volleyball, and uh, she was at a volleyball tournament in Colorado. And she came home and she had the colorado uh logo on her shirt and i thought that's really cool i'm like i wish we had something like that for utah and she's like oh dad that's everywhere that's their flag and that was the first time i kind of shifted of of thinking about this as a negative and thought you know what that's true i'll never wear a And, and maybe that's not what people want the flag to be i just think the cool like this this branding thing Anyway, I, I like it. I'm, 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 I, I get the concern and I think there's some value in protecting history and all of that. But I do think it would be something that we could show and you'd see it used a lot more. I think it's going to be a tough fight uh, to your point. It's been funny. I was at a town hall the other day and I would say the majority, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest issues at my mm. town hall. And I'm thinking it's not water. It's not roads. It's not, I mean, all the things <laughs> that we should be really yeah. thinking about but this is a hot button issue. So we'll see where it goes. I know there's uh, a lot of push to be made to try to get this thing done, but um, there's still definitely a lot of people on the other side that, that aren't as excited about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and to your point, like some of the Facebook groups that I think you're a part of and I'm a part of, it's like uh, a lot of people care deeply about it. And I, I and if, if Todd could speak, he would say, <laughs> he would tell a very similar story to what you just told that he, he had a change of heart and uh would love to see, he even bought the shirt or whatever or has a shirt that he wears to the
1: gym. Already, it's so. really cool. I mean, I wanted <laughs> right when I saw that. I'm like, I I get it now. That yeah. I get why they want to make that change.
0: Yeah, good stuff. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, we had the the Dobbs decision for abortion last year. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of interest in what's going to happen in our Utah Supreme Court, whether the trigger law can be can be uh, reinstated or not. But you know, I I mean, I don't want to make you Dive into the the real controversy here, but do you see or expect that the legislature is going to pass any bills to to update Utah's abortion laws?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think that we're we're fairly fortunate, to be honest, that we had that trigger law in place and that it Mm -hmm. it allowed for some exemptions. Those states that didn't have anything in place, I do think it's been a much much more difficult, uglier situation. Um, But I don't think when it was drafted that it was thought of this is going to have exactly what we need to have all of these scenarios, right? So so I do think that there's going to be some modifications, some tweaking of taking what we did in the trigger law and looking at how that actually plays out in, in actual practical application. So I definitely think there'll be some tweaks. I don't see any kind of wholesale change. I think it's going to be pretty close to what we have, but there will be some, I could see some tweaks that'll be made this year.
0: Mhm. All right. And uh, how, about, how about the pandemic? Is the pandemic over? Uh, how do you think the <laughs> legislature is going
1: to think about COVID this session? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, is it over? I don't know. I know there's still <laughs> legislation that's going to be considered that's related to COVID. I, I think, uh, you know, some of the things I think last year we handled a lot of that around, you know, I, in my opinion, I think there was a lot of government overreach. And things that we probably did more than we needed to do. Um, I think we stayed in a state of emergency much longer than we probably needed to. That's my opinion. But um, we were able to, I think, come to a good middle ground with the governor on some of those things. Um, you know, I actually give the governor kudos. I think that between the legislature and the, and the governor, we came out as one of the best in the country around how we handled it, of doing enough to protect you know certain vulnerable populations, but also allowing the economy to free up and getting those kids back to school, which was the most, in my opinion, one of the most critical things. When we look back now and you look at the learning loss, Utah actually is one of the least, if not the least, in terms of learning loss in the country. And that's in large part because we got those kids back in school. So um, I don't don't see anything major happening with the pandemic. I'm sure there'll be some residual things there, but um, I think we handled a lot of that last session.
0: Yeah, and I just want to give you kudos and I I believe you're 100% right and we put our money where our mouth was, uh, you know, as a family because we were living in in Virginia in the DC area and we moved at the beginning of COVID back to Utah and uh for all the reasons that you just laid out and and uh, it's been fantastic for our kids and of course now it's a permanent situation. So so it's been
1: well, great. We're right. glad you came back.
0: Yeah, likewise, <laughs> but the the contrast is just night and day. I mean, I when I tell people about what a shutdown really looks like. <laughs> Um, in any case, uh, what what issues are you jamming on yourself? You know, I know uh, that that these are the some of the big picture stuff, but I'm sure you have a few things in the fryer. So maybe you can share those with us.
1: Yeah, I've got a few. Um, you know, one that I'm working on as of uh, tomorrow. I've got a meeting on um, energy policy and and looking at what are we doing around sustainable energy. We're doing a lot of good things in our state. There's a lot of different exciting things that are happening. Um, There's really cool research that we're seeing in our universities. There's great entrepreneurship activities. We've got venture capital funds that are flowing into different things. Got policymakers that are really excited and trying to kind of tackle different areas of energy. We don't really have a good comprehensive plan of understanding what we're doing, who's doing what, bringing those different groups together And then saying, where are we going to go in the next five to 10 years around energy policy? This actually is a priority of the House majority caucus in the House. And um, that'll be one that I'll be leading out on um, that we'll be working on. So education, I always do a number of education related bills, uh, things to help free up uh, teachers, things to help um, uh, support teachers. That's always an area that I, I do put quite a bit of work into so I'll probably have a few bills I tend to not run a lot of legislation with my my whip roll we're pretty busy yeah. so I usually run four or five bills this is about what I'll do
0: yeah you've got enough and got enough to do and Todd will you know he'll run 88 bills <laughs> he'll cover you since we got you here I we, I think we need to ask about what's the, what's the update on the point? And uh, how, how's all that coming together?
1: Yeah, it's coming together really well. It's, it's exciting. Um, the developer has been selected. They went through a very rigorous process. They're still kind of working through the final details of that. Um, and I think the first phase was just unraveled uh, about a month ago. And um, really exciting. I think this is going to be a generational opportunity for the state. Um, My role, as you probably know, in that is helping bring the high ed perspective and helping to bring a lot of that research out of the universities, help better align our industry with workforce. So we're doing some really cool, exciting things around that. Um, But I'm, no, I'm, I'm very excited. I think we've got a lot of, uh, that's going to be a great, a great project for the state of Utah.
0: And for those who are not aware, like we are, what the point is, give us a brief overview. Oh, yeah,
1: Sure. So the point of the mountain is the the Draper prison site currently, Um, the state determined rather than selling that land off that we would instead look at this in a long term perspective and and say what can we do to really create kind of a, a city of the future in a lot of ways, and in using that because it's a state property, we can look at that through a little different lens, than if it were just sold off to a developer and, you know, do the do whatever, you know, quick thing that makes the most money. We can really be strategic and long-term thinking about that. And so the state owns that 600 acres there where the prison is. The prisoners are all gone. They're starting to turn down that building. And over the next year, you'll start to see infrastructure put in. And then next two to three years, you'll see buildings going in. But they look at this as, you know, we're looking at a lot of smart city technology um, that really could be more, uh, when you talk about sustainable energy, looking at ways to implement that just different innovative ways to even look at um, how we do buildings. And so they're, they're doing a number of things like that, as well as just the geographical location of it, right in the heart of Silicon Slopes, right between all these universities, there's a lot of interest around how can we make this an innovation hub? And so that's, that's why I think this project's gonna be very unique.
0: Yeah, super cool. And uh, couldn't have a better leader than, than you on that. So, but I do have one
1: question. You think sure. we can get an MLB baseball team? To, uh, to <laughs> There's down. a lot of people would love to see that. I, I don't know if it Including would be me. there or where it would be, but I think it would be great to get a baseball team here.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. All right, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for, for giving us this preview. And uh, I I know you to be a very strong uh, principled conservative and man of integrity. And, uh, you know, we, we're big supporters. Put your sign out in front of our yard and everything. So. Uh, Thanks for all the good stuff that you do.
1: Thank you, Corey. Good to be with you. And thank you, Senator Weiler. Thanks for letting me join. All right. Thanks a bunch.
0: All right. Even though Todd's feeling a little under the weather, we'll cover a couple of topics here. As we've discussed multiple times on the podcast, uh, Utah's abortion law remains tied up in the courts. We were just talking about that with, with Representative Moss. A state judge granted uh, Planned Parenthood's motion for preliminary injunction that effectively stopped the trigger law from going into place. At the moment, we're waiting on the on the Supreme Court, of course. So but uh, in light of all this, Representative Brady Brammer is preparing a bill that would make it so a judge could not grant an injunction unless the case has a substantial likelihood of success. You know, and as we've said previously, the Planned Parenthood's arguments are pretty weak in this case, and we have every reason to believe that that the Supreme Court will deny them. But in the meantime, of course, they found a judge to halt the triggers law from going into effect. Representative Brammer's legislation would prevent a judge from doing this in the future. And in fact, it would also reach back and unlock the, the current preliminary injunctions, this one included, uh, unless the plaintiff had has a substantial likelihood of winning the case in the end. So... I think this is good legislation. It would bring Utah's civil procedure in line with the federal civil procedure. Honestly, I was a little bit surprised that, excuse me, our, our state rules differed from this. I'm sure Todd has some very very uh, keen uh, views on this as uh, he leads the Senate Judiciary Committee. But we'll, uh, we'll save his comments for another time. But I think it's a good thing. Way to go, Brady uh, Brammer. Hopefully that gets some traction in the legislature. State Senator Karen May, she's a Salt Lake City Democrat, and former minority leader. She submitted her letter of resignation on Wednesday due to health reasons. She's been diagnosed with cancer. Um, Senator May was first appointed to the Senate in 2007 to replace her late husband Ed mayne who first won his seat in 1994. Uh, so she was elected to fill out the remaining couple of years of his term back in 2008 and won her first term, full term in, in 2010. So I actually grew up in uh, her Senate district, and uh, Senator Ed Maine—he became senator when I was in high school. So obviously, that family, many many years of service. We wish her well, good luck, and uh, and I'm sure Todd, when he's feeling better, we'll have some insights into who the most likely replacement is. We've got got a couple that have stood up and raised their hand. So, and finally on the federal former president trump took to his social media outlet truth social and he 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 actually just blamed pro life supporters for losing the 2022 midterm elections this is what he said he said it wasn't my fault that Re- the republicans didn't live up to expectations in the midterms i was 233 to 20 that means 233 wins 20 losses it was the abortion issue poorly handled by many republicans especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions even in the case of rape, incest, or life of the mother that lost large numbers of voters. Also, the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court and just plain disappeared not to be seen again. Plus, uh, Mitch is a stupid uh, swear word. All right. So I thought this was disappointing from, from President Trump because, I mean, we, he was a very strong advocate for, for life as a president. And I think he put the right judges in place. And I also think it's the case that there really are not that many Republicans who insist on no exceptions whatsoever. I mean, again, even our trigger law has has exceptions. And I think it's pretty rare that uh, that someone would say have the position of no exceptions for, for example, the mother's health or rape or incest. So so I do think that he's President Trump's a little misguided there. Also, if abortion was the definitive issue everywhere. You know, it doesn't really explain why Governor Kemp won in Georgia handily while Herschel Walker lost. Also, how did Governor DeSantis win so overwhelmingly? And you saw the same thing in Ohio. So these are strongly pro life governors, and there's dozens more examples. So I don't think being pro life was what determined whether a candidate won or lost in 2022. That's not to say that the Dobbs decision had no effect. I think abortion did have some effect, I think it did juice the turnout among certain demographics. On the Democratic side, but I don't think the evidence uh, supports an argument that that, that we would have Republicans would have won if if not for abortion politics. And uh, and I and I really don't think it's true that uh, that the people who pushed so hard, namely pro-lifers, um, just got their wish and disappeared. I think there's quite a few in Utah, for example, some of the pro-life movement who were who were very active in the 2022 election. So. Um, so that was a bummer, and I'm I'm not sure that uh, the President Trump, you know, I'm not sure he's right there. And, you know, the as we mentioned last time, the candidates who underperformed were and those and those who either lost or underperformed. Uh, I mean, those were the ones who who were the most aligned the, their candidacies with uh, with President Trump, and so I do think that there there is some some conversation that we need to have about that. So that's it. Thanks, Todd. I hope you start feeling better. You're going to begin the session. There's a lot of work to do, and we'll be back next week with this conversation. See you next time.